Welcome to the podcast of champions. This is the Herald Express Devon Live Talker United Yellow Army podcast, created weekly by David Thomas and Guy Henderson. Here you can find everything you ever wanted to know about Talker United, along probably with quite a lot that you didn't. You can find the podcast in the Talker United section of devonlive.com, or you can subscribe to us on iTunes. Welcome. Uh, flaming June is flaming outside. We're into into the middle of summer nearly, aren't we? It'll be the longest day next week. I went out on my bike yesterday and got absolutely soaked. It was like that, for wasn't much, it? So much yes. for your flaming June, Henders. <laughs> <laughs> Never rains in painting either, though. You should have well, come over this way. God's country, isn't it? Yeah, it is indeed. So, yeah, welcome along, Talking United fans. Thanks for joining us and... As luck would have it, moments after we pressed the stop button for the end of last week's podcast, a new signing was announced for Torquay. So we we're kind of expecting one this afternoon. But um, there may well be one in the next uh, yeah, 24, 36 hours. But the the signing that uh, that came just after we'd finished the podcast last week, a good we one. We did too. hint at it. We did. Yeah. We did indeed. We mentioned him yeah. in the podcast. It's Armani Little. Um, from Woking, yeah, midfield player. Well, 20... from Oxford United, actually, as it stands, he was on loan at Woking okay. uh, last season. Twenty-two years old, decent, I think is the word, isn't it? Well, I think um, uh, the reaction of most knowledgeable United fans are the ones who were supporting United uh, um, week in, week out, and knew a bit about the National League South last season. Yeah. Um, a when they heard one or two of the rumours, and B when it actually happened. Um, that will do nicely. Yeah, uh, he's a very, very good player, a uh, young player, and I'm staggered that Oxford have given him a free transfer. Yeah, yeah. I'm aware that there are some reasons inside the Oxford camp for that. Yeah. Um, uh, they, they've been putting a lot of money into their academy over the last few years, and I think there's a bit of pressure to bring more of their own homegrown youngsters through to the first okay. team. And of course, Armani Little was signed from Southampton. Yeah. Out of Southampton's development squad. Somebody very um, kindly found and posted online his uh, Welcome to Southampton video as well, which um, I'm sure he was delighted to see that again. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, moved to Oxford United. They loaned him to Woking to get usual match experience. Blah, blah, blah. And he was a major success for them last season. Played well against us, didn't he? He certainly yeah. did. Uh, he was in the team that won 1-0 in the Cup down mm. here. Didn't play in the first league match. But um, they had him for a loan spell, got him back for, an, for a second one. And there are plenty of people at Woking who will tell anyone that's prepared to listen that he was the difference between getting, getting up and not getting up last yeah. season. I know, obviously, he scored the winning goal in the playoff final against Welling. Peach of a free kick. Uh, and that's just one of his many weapons. He gets around the pitch. I mean, I, I, you'd certainly have him on a par with Conor Con Lemon Hay Evans yeah, in that cent yeah. attacking central midfield role. Um, <clears throat> time will tell whether uh, United fans think he was he's on a par or better than Lemon Hay Evans. Um, nope. Twenty-two years old. Yeah. Um, uh, talented. Can pass it, move, shoot, etc., etc., etc. I'm making him up to be. You know the greatest things in the sliced bread, but and I don't mean to. Um, and also, if you want to throw in a little extra one, 
I think he was booked at least a dozen times last season. <laughs> now, that's not, <laughs> not something we want to see on a regular basis, and I'm sure of that. But he's not afraid to put his foot no. in, put it like that. And we've, um, we've been calling for, not that he is this, obviously, but we've been calling for what we've been terming a gangster in well, midfield. What, what our um, friend Paul Bastard always yeah, calls it. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, uh, you know, um, Paul Bassett always says you, you can't have a good team without a gangster in midfield. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, you know he isn't that. He's only 22 years old. He hasn't even you know barely started his senior career yet. But um, I'm sure. Uh, uh, well, absolutely, and I'm sure most of our listeners will, will know what I mean. That Gary Johnson would not have offered this lad a two-year contract. No, it's a, that's a good contract, to, isn't absolutely, it? Absolutely, yeah. persuaded him to, to yeah. come down here when I know there were at least four other clubs yeah. at National League level and one at League Two level who were trying to who, who were interested in really? talking to him. Good for um, him. Because one of them must surely have been Woking, though. Oh, Woking were desperate to have him back, yeah. I, I've no doubt. But the interesting thing is that Oxford actually released him at the end of the season. Mm. He'd never played a senior game for them. He played 32 for Woking last season, scored seven goals. And and he it, it, it's look we we must there's always a danger that you get overexcited about a signing even before he's kicked a ball for you and 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 he's got to make the step up now from National League South to yeah. National League level and and that's a whole new subject which we can we can chat about a bit later as well but um, he's got the tools for the job yeah uh, and and I think um, uh, Gary Johnson also referred to it he's got the personality and the attitude as well. And this, I know you hear managers and coaches talking about this sort of stuff all the time, don't you? Yeah. You know, oh, attitude, attitude, attitude. Well, there's players with attitude and there's players with attitude. He's got some attitude. <laughs> and and uh, I think um, he won't be running, he, put it like this, he won't be run, running away from any scraps in midfield in the National League next season. And obviously, down to the managers and the coaches to... Yeah, you know, to, to you know, channel that in the right direction. But um, at Woking, uh, he was a huge hit at Woking. And let's face it, I know United won the thing in the end. Woking had a hell of a good season. Yeah, you know that they, they were relegated along with United twelve months ago. Um, we all know how difficult it is. Unlike United, they weren't completely full time, um, uh, and you know, you just. They didn't, you know, that they weren't expected to bounce back in the no. same way that United were, um, uh, and and obviously we know that that was a roller coaster in its own right. But uh, you know, they had a hell of a season at Woking. Fantastic cup run, got to the fourth round of the FA. Yeah. Was it fourth? No, maybe third round of the FA Cup. Lost to Watford in the end, um, uh, and uh, you know, he played a big, big part in it. So we're talking about somebody who's had that season under his belt yeah. of pressurised promotion-winning football and has come through with flying colours. Uh, and as a 22-year-old as a player, he's not 28, like, you know, he's, he's, he's not coming down or even mm. levelling out. The graph is going up. Yeah. With, with, and I think you may find with, with a lot of Johnson signings this, this summer... I think there will be one or two more experienced players, but a lot of them, he's, he, he wants the graph to be going up. Yeah, yeah, I see what and, you mean. Uh, and, yeah. and in other words, that uh, they are looking for players who potentially could be good enough to go into League Two. Right. Hopefully with Talking United. Oh, no, no, yeah. We're, we're, yeah. absolutely with Talking United. Yeah. Um, so you don't want players who are either on a flat line 
or are starting to yeah. you know go down. No point in them. Um, and uh, uh, he's definitely fits. Yeah, I fits that. And I think Gary used the word talkified about him, didn't he? That he but he's bought into the the ethos well, of the he, club. He hasn't yet, but, but obviously, but he 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 wants to repeat that. Yeah. That thing that that that's all the, the the one of the crucial things about all the lone players were, and United finished up with what five something like mm. four from Bristol City plus Frankie Vincent from Bournemouth, is that all of those, for for one reason or another, all of them good. Uh, bought into, they yeah. didn't see playing for Torquay as something that was probably going to finish in a month's time or, you know, a few months' time. I mean, several of them had chances, including Seiko Jani, mo- most of all, to go back to Bristol City yes. at various yeah. times during the season. Uh, Lemonhay Evans, certainly. J- Seiko Jani, there was, there was a lot of talk that he was going to go back to Bristol City in January. And... Uh, obviously, they all talked it over. The different parties mm-hmm. talked it, but there was. But part of the of the reason and and the, the impetus for keeping them was that the players themselves wanted to carry on. Yeah. Here, to try and see the club through to promotion and try and get a promotion on their on their CV. Doesn't do their CVs any harm at all, does well, it? Even if it's a National it League South promotion, it's a prom- it's a championship. Well, and we've we've talked several times about the style in which United did yeah. it. The, the you know the records. Broken left, right, and centre. The entertainment value put they put on, and how hugely popular those lads were at the end mm. of the season at Playmore. All of them will be welcomed back with open arms, you know, yeah. uh, any time. Um, and uh, and we'll we'll obviously wait to see what happens on that front as time goes on during the summer. But um, no, Armani Little is the type of lad that Gary Johnson thinks can tick that box big time. Good stuff, and as you say, a new another new signing is possible. Oh, I think it's not very far away. Okay, uh, certainly you know, Gary indicated that it's it's going to yeah. be quite soon. Um, there's been some talk about uh, a, a striker. Whether that happens or not, I'm not quite sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they are definitely looking for another striker. Uh, obviously, they've got two goalkeepers on board now. Yeah, um, Lucas Covalan, uh, Lucas Covalan the latest is, signing, is um, still out in Brazil on holiday. Good luck to him. Um, uh, and then you know, I think as we've maybe mentioned on the podcast before, central defender yeah. in the wake of Jamie Sendall's white leaving. Um, uh, they've obviously got a central midfield player. I think there will be at least one more central midfield player, uh, yeah. midfield player, whether it's wide or central, I'm not quite sure. Striker, and then you're looking into the two or three he mentioned to me this week, not by name, uh, lone players. Yeah, who yeah. won't who won't be nailed down until fairly late in the mm. day, i.e., because they'll be at uh, at their parent clubs during yeah. during pre-season. So you're looking at a total of nine, eight, nine players, which will get him up to the squad of yeah, 20, 20, 21 thereabouts which, that which he's he looking wants for. To work with. Yeah, that's right. Very exciting. It's beginning to take shape much well, earlier. When the third one arrives, it yeah. will start to look as if it, I mean the first two fine. You know the third one. Uh, uh, and the, the other plus point being, of course, that, that Little didn't arrive until, what, 24 hours before the end of the season ticket. Mm. Yeah. Um, cut-off point for the what you and I know as early bird, United are calling the champion's season yeah. price. Um, uh, bit of, nice bit of PR there. Um, yeah, and why uh, not? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. But So the, the new signings haven't played a really significant mm. role in the season ticket sales. Which now, are pretty healthy as well. Which are they? very healthy yeah. indeed. 
Um, uh, and um, it will be interesting now, as more signings arrive over the next yeah. month, six weeks, um, how many more people will come on board. Mm. I know obviously you have to pay a bit more, but I, you know, uh, I'm sure the vast majority of people are on board by yeah. now. But they've done that. They've made that commitment yeah. with few, if any, actual summer signings. Right, there's a couple on board now. So... Um, and so that can have an effect as well. So a lot of it's on the strength of what they've already seen, isn't it? Yeah. Good stuff. Now you've been up, uh, you've been playing more today. I, I was on my way to a, a date with Destiny at the dentist. <laughs> yes. Um, I'm pleased please to see that your oh, voice is unchanged courage, and you, you've managed a cup of tea. So courage that's beyond the good. call of duty. <laughs> no, actually, there's very little, if anything, done at all today. I've got to go back for a bit more. Oh, dear. Uh, I should be gritting with what remains of my teeth on that one. Um, but no, just dropped in. I haven't, obviously, like a lot of yeah. um, supporters, I haven't dropped in for a week or two, so I thought I'd put my head round the door, check that everything's under control. Of course, which one pleased, likes to be sure. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pleased to say it is. Um, that this, I think a lot of people um, may think that at this time of year, that it kind of like nothing much happens during May, yeah. June, and early part of July from a staff point of view. In fact, probably there's more work goes on yeah. for less apparent return okay. at these times of yeah. year. Um, and there's a hell of a lot of admin stuff, um, uh, infrastructure, bits and pieces um, going on at the moment. Yeah. Um, and people, people are working at least as hard now. Um, as they do when the actual season yeah. is up and running. I mean, do, you um, do you actually have to enter the league? Do you actually have to physically apply to be part of the you league? You absolutely have, you do. So there, there are forms to fill in? and Well, um, uh, and plenty of those as yeah. well. Yeah. I mean, the, uh, one of our you know, key points this week, isn't it, is the, is the, the league AGM, on yeah. which is this yeah. Saturday. I mean, most of the paperwork's been done for that. There, there are unbelievable amounts of boxes to tick yeah. before you are given your licence to kick off International League next season. Does it make it more complicated coming up from the league below? Have you got to have your, your security checked and your um, floodlights checked think, and goodness knows No, what? I, I think from United's point of view, more or less all of that is in place. Yeah. I, I think from um, the league board's point of view, having Torquay coming up is an absolute, mm. thank goodness they're up because we know we haven't got to worry about them too much. Yeah. Um, I, I, and I'm sure there isn't with Woking either. Um, but there are an awful lot of um, boxes to be ticked in terms of ground, yeah. um, uh, all the safety stuff, um, uh, and financially, it's got tighter and tighter and tighter. I remember yeah. when United um, uh, in two thousand and fifteen, when the um, Dave Phillips's um, uh, regime took over, um, you know the, the the supporter regime, which let's doff our hats to them, how hard they worked to keep the club afloat during those, those two years. Would have been a very months. different story now without what without, they did without, back what, then. Without them yeah. hanging, hanging in yeah. there. Um, and uh, the, the worry and the major issue it was that they had to go off to the Football League and with what I understood at the time was 200,000 quid it's a lot of money, bond yeah. uh, lodged with the league to prove that they were able to... Um, uh, you know, not only kick off the following season, but actually still be kicking off at the end of the season. Yeah. And there are several clubs I understand who are um, struggling to do that. Yeah. Um, we were on the, on the podcast. We've obviously talked about the Gateshead uh, thing. Mm. I understand there is many more, not many more, several more clubs just than Gateshead who are 
um, struggling yeah. to uh, tick all the boxes. Uh, Gates said, look as if they'd gone. Uh, the league suspended them. Yeah, they're now the subject of a fresh takeover, and they're trying desperately to get the league's suspension overturned. So we still right. don't quite know what, what the uh, the final score on that will be. Um, and it will be with great interest that the actual makeup of the national league's three yeah. divisions um, will be when they announce it after yeah. the weekend. Because um, it all de- the whole north and south thing depends on. Well, it's still up in the air, isn't Huge. it? Very much. Yeah, yeah. I, I, w- I was told the other day by somebody who, sh- who ought to know about these things and does know because uh, they're involved in in this admin that when you're issued with a license to take part in, for instance, the National League South, yeah, you you also have to have a license for the division above, which, if you think about it, is makes a fair bit of sense because if you're in the National League South, you ought to be trying to win promotion to the yeah. National League yeah. itself. So, well, of course, you. there's no point winning promotion, as was proven by Concord Rangers last season. Their ground was not... Mm. Yeah. Uh, uh, now, yeah. we can all argue until we're blue in the face as to how it was handled and how late in the day, mm. but they were hauled out of the playoffs at the very last moment, weren't yeah. they? Yeah. Um, causing quite a bit of a ruction because their ground wasn't up to it. Well, anybody that's been to their ground would probably nod and say, no, it isn't. Um, but in other words, and also, if you're in the National League... Yeah. You have to have, uh, uh, your club has to be, uh, have, have a license or a potential license to play in the league two. But you have to be league two compliant. Very good Right phrase. from the uh, Absolutely. Right from the word go. Yeah, and quite a lot of people have been yeah. going on about, well, surely Solihull Moors ground doesn't mean anything. Well, they've done quite a lot of work there and technically it does. Yeah. Uh, Birmingham City ladies play there as well. So a lot of these clubs have had to spend this sort of money. Mm. Uh, for instance, Boreham Wood, no doubt, with the help of their very good friends Arsenal, uh, are in, in the yeah. pro. You know, I mean, let's yeah. face it, Boreham Wood, bless them, have what, five, six hundred people there yeah. most weeks, tops, and not many of those, are, only half of those are their own. But they ha- their ground uh, has, to, has to and does meet football yeah. league requirements in terms of capacity, number of seats. Etc. Et playing cetera, surface cetera. is fantastic as well, isn't uh, it? Playing surface yeah. is very good. Yeah. Birmingham, um, yeah. Arsenal ladies and the under twenty three yeah. plays there. But 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 that's a that that's one example of that. So uh, all, all of these clubs have to turn up mm. with all these boxes ticked. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong; it would be a disaster for the national league if they weren't able to fill their divisions yeah. with the right numbers. Anyway, so uh, but. Uh, no, all very interesting, and, yeah. and uh, once the weekend is over, I've no doubt the National League, well, previous experiences that they're not exactly jet-propelled in terms of how quickly you get this, this information out, but this season, well, it, uh, because there is so much interest yeah. in, in Gateshead's fate, what might happen to Aldershot, yeah. how that rebounds well, if, on down the division. Yeah, if you're all the shot, you need to know. You need to know what league you're going to be Absolutely playing next season. Do. And, and then, on the back of that, yeah. what do they do lower down? Yeah. Um, somebody, you know, Truro, have been openly sort of hinting that mm. they think they're, they're, they're in with a chance of being saved from relegation. Obviously, they went down with Western Superman yeah. and East Thurrock last season. You know, well, whoa, hold on a minute. If they reprieve um, Truro City... What about one of the relegated clubs in the National League North? Yeah. You can imagine them turning around and saying, yeah. "Well, just because Truro are playing in the South, what I mean that's that, that means they're all right, and we don't get a chance." It's a can of worms, isn't it? Absolutely, it is. Yeah. So there's a lot of yeah. calculations to be made and boxes to be ticked. Um, I imagine, 
I think uh, that most of the licenses, if not all the licenses, should have been issued by Monday of this week, i.e. That, that we're in now. Whether, whether that's all happened or not, we're, 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 we should time see, will tell. We'll see what comes back from the, uh, the, the Spanish holiday on the back of a fag packet or whatever. Uh, no, it's, that's, it's, that's the fixtures, isn't it? Yeah, that's the fixtures. But no, it's the Celtic Manor Resort <laughs> at Newport. That's where they're all uh, the great and the good of the National League are assembling. Very nice too. And just while well, we're talking um, talking West Country football there for a moment, uh, best wishes to Kevin Nicholson, who has parted company with yeah. Mousel yes. this week. Yeah, and everybody's bound to go, oh, what, it's only Mousel down in the Southwestern League or whatever it is, um, Peninsula League, Division, yeah. whatever it is. But uh, it's a quite a difficult project down there. They've got a... Um, it's a very ambitious project they've yeah, set themselves. Well, potentially it? it is, yeah. yes. That, that they, they have a lot of overseas youngsters mm -hmm. trying to pick up their careers and relaunch themselves they ended up loaning a couple of players to Truro they had a fantastic second half of the season didn't oh they? no terrific don't think and they lost a game did no they? no and and uh, Nico obviously went in there and got stuck in yeah um, uh, he's moving on now my instinct is well if, if Nico is leaving you know fingers crossed he might have something else up his sleeve let's hope he does let's hope so um, yeah uh, but uh, and there was talk, of course, of Mousel being taken over or taking over Penzance recently. Penzance AFC. I don't think that's happening anymore now. So, but the whole of Cornish football is is in flux at the moment. Yeah. The FA are trying to impose a new pyramid, um, or a new pyramid is supposed to be happening with step whatever it is. Mm -hmm. I, it's a bit like. The new years for school. I, I, I'm not quite sure what, what, what year applies to anybody, um, but and and of course there's major yeah um, travelling issues for clubs in yeah. West Cornwall, and a lot of them are going. Oh, whoa, you are joking. We are not going to be driving to West Devon or anything like that. It's a big country down there, isn't it? It's, <laughs> it, it's, it um, is. It's so yeah. Uh, um, there's quite a, quite a lot of um, yeah. Uh, upset down there so but anyway no fingers crossed very much hope that Kev has got got, him, got himself yeah. something else lined up he deserves it now I just made a note there as we went along you mentioned step four of the new football pyramid where does step four begin well step four is uh league two because only us because they're talking about sin bins somewhere along the line for below step four uh, well below step four is step it's five us. is the national league is us yeah so they what, were talking about sin bins for descent. Somewhere I saw this week, I meant I made a little note to ask you. I haven't seen it anywhere. You're very else. good at that, guy, making notes. Making uh, notes to ask you, you and then yeah. threw that at you without preparing you. So yeah. um, we'll, let's return to that another time when well, we've, um, uh, uh, looked we into it. Well, it, I think we, it'd be we, a good we, idea. I think a lot of people have thought that yeah. this was overdue. It's interesting, isn't it, that they should, by the sound of it, <laughs> try it as an experiment lower down rather than whacking it straight yeah. into the Premier League. Um, but um, to see, I mean, to actually see, I suppose they do it with a blue card like they do, um, you know, I, I've seen that done in, in small-sided games, let's call it. Yeah. Um, uh, and rugby, of course, does it. Yeah. Um, not for, well, I'm sure it does do it for dissent, but, but for... They don't have dissent which, in rugby, really, do they? Very, almost never. Yeah, that's right. Incredibly, <laughs> when you consider the physical commitment of that thing. There's, um, there's um, a player who plays walking football for Plymouth Argyle, by the way, who is obviously a former rugby player because he calls the referee sir. And you think, all right, fair play. You know, there's there's a great deal of respect there. Perhaps more of that into football would, um, you know, if it seeps in via the sin bin system, 
then they, that's a good thing, surely. What did Brian Clough used to say at Derby and Nottingham Forest? Any player book for descent, book for descent, automatic fine. Yeah. Automatic yeah. fine. It, and a lot, mainly because of the theory that no descent ever changed a referee's decision. Precisely. Precisely. Have um, you ever seen a referee change his mind no, because no, somebody because goes and harangues him about no, something? Um, Never. Uh, so, um, yeah, I, I, I think obviously it would be uh, it's one of those things. Do you bring it in really draconially? And you know, I think yeah. most dissent on a football pitch, in my experience, is, oh, wait, that's the second time you've done it. You know, da, 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 da. I don't want to yeah. hear from you again. Um, uh, if it's threatening dissent, off you go. Booking yeah. straight yeah. away. Yeah. Um, etc. 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 But um, I'm planning right, to we'll have to look into. Yeah. We'll have to look, we'll yeah. have to look into that. Let's yeah. nail that down for. Okay. Um, with, Interesting talking point. If you get there before us for next week's podcast, let us know what you think, and we'll um, we'll have a chat. I'm quite interested in that. I must say. Yeah, I think as well that the one of my worries about that would be you've got a lot of youngish, upwardly mobile referees mm. trying to get marks to be promoted. Yeah, and does that lead you down the lane of maybe being a little bit? overzealous in yeah. that respect look dissent is not none of us is recommending dissent but um what if a goalkeeper dishes out a load of dissent to a referee do you sin being a goalkeeper wow, wow. does an outfield player go in for 10 minutes kevin hill where are you when we need you <laughs> what um, happens then yeah goodness there we go. Mm. Can of worm again. A can of worms opened up. I can see a, a theme emerging for this week's podcast. Um, big news elsewhere in football: the Women's World Cup begins tomorrow. In fact, as we speak, doesn't it? It yep. starts Friday. on Friday. Yeah, France v Korea. Is it France South v Korea, Korea, South Korea, South Korea on Korea. Friday. It's not North Korea. Saturday is Norway, Nigeria, Germany, China, Spain, South Africa. Sunday, Australia, Italy, Brazil, Jamaica, England, Scotland. England, you know, Scotland. But where I'm going here is looking for the first appearance. There we go. Next Tuesday, New Zealand versus the Netherlands. Absolutely. And an ex-Torquay player is in charge of New Zealand. Yeah. This what a is, story. This is the latest chapter in the, the quite remarkable story of, of Tommy Samani's managerial career. Uh, older United fans will remember Tommy with some affection, I think. He was a proper little player Yeah. Um, uh, during the late 70s, early 80s. Um, Glasgow born, um, uh, absolute cracking yeah. bloke and a good little player. I remember he scored a wonderful goal against Newport at home, uh, Boxing Day 1980. Okay. Uh, United won 3-1, yeah. they went about third in the table, Mike Green's team with Les Lawrence and Steve Cooper, Donald Murphy, um, uh, uh, Turner in goal, yeah. um, etc, etc, etc. And they then went. They they went, then went on New Year's Day to beat Bournemouth away, and that, that they yeah. appeared to be flying. But um, they they fell away and finished seventh or eighth in the end. But Tommy was a proper little player. Yeah. Um, and I beg pardon. And then he he towards the end of his career he emigrated to Australia, and we didn't hear from him for quite a long time. Although he's he is over the last few years he's been great at getting in touch and yeah. and um, a huge friend of Brian Wilson's who. Of course, at yeah. the same time. Yeah. They both came from Blackpool. Um, and Tommy went into this coaching career, which you know occasionally filtered back. He coached in Japan, Australia, 
and gradually got into a reputation for uh, coaching in the women in the women's game. And he coached yeah. Australian women twice with great success. Um, then got the biggest job in world women's football, which is the USA. Yeah, uh, yeah. Jo- a coach job did that for two years, and he was explaining to me one day how how incredibly pressured that job was. Um, uh, and handling all the egos involved, yeah. and, and you know, some it, big, big characters in that team. Absolutely, some and, of them are, are cropping up in the previews. Yeah, I remember they, they they played in the tournament in Portugal. Um, they actually won the thing in the end, but they only drew with somebody, or maybe lost one of their opening games. I forget what it was. And Tommy was saying it was an absolute disaster. <laughs> you know, it's like you know, we can't be losing games of football. Um, but anyway, his time at, at the USA fell in between World Cups, which is yeah. so he didn't actually. But then he went to, he was then persuaded to manage the um, uh, Orlando Pride, one of the big new uh, women's soccer yeah. league franchises out there. Did that for a couple of years. Was consultant. They called him in as a consultant for Canada when the World Cup was last held four years ago in Canada. Um, uh, and... Uh, uh, they eventually did they finish fourth something like that I'm not quite sure, not sure. Um, no Japan ended up in the final yeah. with the USA having knocked England out in the semi-finals um, and now Tommy is manager of New Zealand and um, he's picked them up from quite a low ebb last year um, their qualifying group wasn't that tough uh, but then of course as quite a lot of people know they went and Put the skids under England last weekend they and did. won one nil. They did lose in in Wales one nil to a last minute goal in the week. But um, so good luck to them. Yeah, good luck, Tommy. Uh, if, if anybody yeah. knows how to get a women's football team to win a game or two, it's Tommy Samani. There's some good games in that as well. The fixtures. I mean, England's group. Oh, the Grupo del Morte. It's got to be, hasn't hey. it? So England are in a group with Scotland, Scotland, who are yeah bloody good. Yeah, um, Argentina. Who are bound to, bound to be good, Correct. surely. And Japan, who, who are the, got yeah. to the final last time and are always up for it. I think that's a terribly tough group. And England opened with Scotland. Yeah. Uh, and I don't, I don't, I mean, I know a lot of people fancy England because they've had such a great run mm. recently. Um, uh, uh, but, dear, dear, that, that's, a, that's a tough old group. And Scotland will get stuck in yeah. big time. It's yeah. Sunday, isn't it, that, that game? I'm, Just, I'm, yeah. I'm watching that. Yeah. This um, is a great opportunity for the women's game, isn't it? Because to, to, to get names known, to get players well, known out there, it's a big shop window, isn't it, for I the women's think, game? I uh, think the TV audience is going to be massive. Yeah. Uh, uh, you're talking hundreds of millions. Um, I think they sold, they've sold. they sold something like 800,000 tickets yeah. already um, in, in for the various games in France. Obviously, the French matches will, will pull in yeah. big, big crowds. Uh, no, I, the, the women's game is... It's not on the springboard because it's been on there for some time, yeah. but but the springboard's bouncing just as they've left, isn't it? Yeah. And and it's uh, generating huge interest. I think people can start to see. Obviously, women have physical limitations that as put against men, but in terms of of skill and yeah. their style of play and all of that sort of stuff, it's coming on leaps and bounds. And there's entertainment there, isn't there? At a time when the, as we talked about the other day, when the Premier League is becoming less and less competitive, and more and more expensive to watch, there's a big opportunity here for something to come in and and pick up a TV audience and a live audience yeah. as well, isn't it? And and uh, like all things, when they start, the people who go and support 
early on are passionate about it, mm. you know, and that they're really up for it. So um, I, I, we, you and I will have to take ourselves along to a, for a decent game at Bristol or somewhere like that soon. But um, from what I understand, you know, when Arsenal ladies play Chelsea ladies and Spurs yeah. ladies play Man City ladies and everything, apparently it's really yeah <laughs> everybody's solidly behind one or the other and of course there's a huge international market in players now you look yeah. at um yeah i know one of the scott the scottish star players i think is playing for leon um and they're all over europe now it's uh, it's going to be interesting stuff. Good stuff we'll watch it okay talking of all over europe again that's almost as if we rehearsed it the new talker united uh, celebration shirt. Oh, with the anniversary appearing, shirt. The anniversary shirt. Very nice it is too. Um, there was a video on YouTube that I spotted the other day. Uh, a Talking United fan filmed himself unboxing the shirt. This is a big thing oh, among the young people, isn't it, on YouTube. Unbo a parcel comes through the post. Oh, does it? And somebody films their mate opening. Whatever it is, whether it's the new Xbox or something like that, there's a whole... YouTube is full like of that. unboxing videos. <laughs> now this new shirt, it comes in a box. It comes with tissue paper. Oh, I've, no. I've watched this blooming video. That's how sad I am. I thought I'm going to watch this. Comes in a cardboard box, embossed cardboard box, tissue paper, black shirt. It looks good. They've done really well here. Well, I think it's a good thing. And obviously on the United Twitter feed, there's quite a few fans on the back of that now starting to send in pictures of yeah, themselves all... and their loved ones in all sorts of international situations. Absolutely. How yeah. far away can they get? I reckon, yeah, well, they've got, the they've got Melbourne already, haven't they? That's about as far as you can get. Exactly. Isn't it? so, it's well. not like, you know, South Georgia still isn't, hasn't been done, no. but I dare say somebody will be working on it. We haven't got anybody um, who take one to the space station or anything <laughs> like that. Oh, it's only no, that time, would be a thing, it? wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah. Get a Gulls fan up in, uh, um, in orbit. So, uh, yeah, no, it, it's, and it's a bit of fun, isn't it? And, yeah. And, um, uh, you know, all, all credit to them. But we're still expecting new kit, aren't we, for uh, the new, new season? New playing kit, yeah. yeah. We're, we're, what we've just been jabbering about isn't actual playing kit, is it? It's, 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 that's the anniversary shirt. No, that's not been released yet. Uh, and neither is, is the name of United's new shirt sponsor. Uh, okay. I, uh, Carpet King last year from Paynton. Yeah. Um, I understand they're stepping down and there's a new shirt sponsor mm -hmm. coming in. Um, not sure about that yet. Uh, um, I, sometimes these things are a little bit late, aren't they? Yeah. Um, but uh, I think the shirt is designed and done i think the actual design is done i wonder if um, we'll see it for the first time at the the, the, uh, the, the biggest of the home friendlies yeah what well, the probably the argyle game yeah um so uh, but there's definitely new sponsors coming in there mm -hmm. so i understand and what a great time to be it's signing up and join yeah. and, and and joining them and i dare say the new shirt sponsor will probably on the back of all of that be paying a little bit more than um uh, Carpet King, well done to them yeah, who, for do. doing it straight after United were relegated to the National League South. Yeah, that was a leap of faith by them, wasn't Quite. it? And, and we paid, I think. Um, yeah, and so we're all waiting to see what colour it'll be or what shade Yellow. of gold it will be. So I'm, I'm, yeah. it, it, there's going to be no too many departures. This is the first team shirt, the home yeah. strip. Yeah. Uh, the, 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 they're not going down any weird and wonderful black and white days or anything like that. Okay. Um, but... Um, no, we'll we'll see. we'll see. I'd love to see a white away strip as well. I, co I couldn't spot any sort of you know um, uh, 
uh, big boxes of postal <laughs> stuff arriving in reception when I popped in today. So uh, not that I was looking for. Of course, of course, perish, perish the thought. Yeah, but uh, um, it, it's it, it's good. It's everything's bubbling quite nicely. Well, isn't it? and 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 speaking of that, uh, I did put my head round the door to have a look at the pitch. Yes, of course. And how yeah. good is that looking? Yeah. Uh, I know you shouldn't get too excited about these things, but uh, we have got what five weeks to the first mm -hmm. the first time it will be used. Well, I'm not saying that you could play on it at the moment. Um, brackets at a push, you possibly could. Yeah. By a, a kids' match or something like that. But if it's looking good as it is now. On June the sixth, yeah, uh, 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 and I, I've no doubt that people will be very pleased with it when they see it for the first time on Friday the against Plymouth. It's looking great. I know the work they were able to do the work this year, yeah, several weeks earlier than last season, um, so that's a help. Mm -hmm. um, and the old sprinkler system is doing its job, but uh, no, it's looking very encouraging. Excellent. Yeah, that's all good news. Um, we should talk a little bit about these dream teams that everybody's getting oh. excited about. Particularly, there's one on there. I'm not going to spoil the new ones that are on there. Um, we spoke a couple of times in the last couple of weeks about a gentleman by the name of Gary Head, who yep. is doing the Southwest Coast Path. Uh, Miles for Mind, he's doing. He's doing brilliantly well. He should be in South Devon next week, and we'll try and meet up with him next ah, week. Ah, right. Okay. Don't want to interrupt his schedule, but I think no. I think we'll make it happen that we can you, meet you, up. You shouldn't stop a man on the move, should you? Exactly. We may have to saunter alongside him, <laughs> alongside along the seafront or something. Um, but he's got a dream team up, and it's very very good. So we have a look at that. He. Right. Um, Obviously, when you're concentrating on the coast path and the ups and the downs, thinking about old Talker United players what help, else is helps you through. Yeah, Look, there's so, only so many views you can go, oh, wow. That's true. And then, then you start thinking about Robin Stubbs or yeah, something like that. Of course. The miles just fly by. All of these, by the way, are on the blog. It's talkytalk.com is the blog that you want to have a look at. Now the one that's been up there for it's been up there for about 10 days now. So I think we should talk about your dream team, oh. Dave. I think now you I mean you decided it was going to be a team to play for your life. It says so there, a united team to play for my life. A team that you would be prepared to um, to put your future in the hands of. Yes. Well, I I mainly because I thought well you have to have a point of view here. Yeah, yeah. You know, and as I think, as we mentioned last week, you quite rightly, um, for yourself, went for a team that you would pay money to see on a Tuesday night when it's sheeting it down at playing yeah, exactly. Uh, right. and, and that meant that Matt Hockley was definitely going to get in. He's always uh, going to be in my team. Actually, yes. he was the first name <laughs> he was, Yeah, he's down. the first name on my team sheet, quite. absolutely. And I don't, I didn't <laughs> doubt you for a moment on that. Um, but uh, you, you have to. So I, I just thought, well, what's the yeah. what tag can I stick on mind? And I said, right, a team to play, play for, for your life. life. So you're the manager that you've selected. Um, your shortlist was included: Mike Green, Bruce Rioch, Neil Warnock. These are people. We have to stress, of course, that these are people that we have seen and watched. Yes. Yeah. Uh, which I'm very unfortunately uh, um, ruled out. Greats such as Sammy Collins, yeah. Don Mills, Tommy Northcott, etc., etc., and of course the very popular and long-serving United's longest-serving manager Eric Weber. Yeah, 
But yeah, so the goal, the managers, uh, Don O'Reardon, Cyril Knowles, Roy McFarlane, Leroy Rossini, Ian Atkins, Paul Buckle and Gary Johnson, none of those got the top job because Frank O'Farrell did. Yes. Yeah, that's... And I, I don't think many people will be that surprised. No. Um, uh, Frank, uh, who I was simply terrified of when I was a young reporter, <laughs> uh, first starting out in the late 60s, um, something we've joked about many times since. Um, I remember the very first time I was taken on, a, on an away trip uh, with my old working colleagues on the Herald that some of our listeners may remember, um, Gordon Hines and Keith Perry, who was, who was then working for yeah. the Herald Express. Gordon Hines was on The Independent. I was on the old talkie times, wiping a tear away, the <laughs> weekly paper then. Um, and uh, Frank allowed me to, uh, to join the team coach for a League Cup tie at Bournemouth. Yeah, uh, and we called in at Dorchester for a pre-match meal. I remember that, and and with all the John Bonds and the, yeah, you know, very very good players in those days. And I remember Gordon and and Keith saying to me like, Dave, whatever you do, don't have a meal before any of the players. Frank will have you for it. You know. Okay. You so, so I was yeah. Like, right. Yeah. Okay. Whatever else I do on this trip, I am not having not one morsel is passing my okay. lips before all the rest of the players. So we went in. This um, cafe in Dorchester sat down. All the players are there. I, I went through and I actually counted them all, etc., etc. Yeah. I then got talking to somebody. Looked back down. The waitress started bringing in the scrambled eggs and the baked beans in those days yeah. <laughs> on toast. And I looked up. All the players had a meal. So eventually, <laughs> one arrived on, on mine, and I was—I picked up my knife and fork, and I was just about to yeah. stick it into my scrambled egg. And Frank O'Farrell leant over my shoulder, whipped it from under me, and he said, "Players first at this club." And I went, bah, bah, bah. and John Bond and John Benson from the end, the far end of the table, had gone up and gone to the loo, and hadn't come back, and I hadn't spotted them. <laughs> and I—I I, I kind of went, bah, 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 and he glared at me. Yeah. Typical Frank. You yeah. Etc. Eventually, I got my, I got, and I, I, I was, that was the, I know I was a young lad yeah. in those days, and, and, you know, you should be a little bit scared of your elders at that time of life, shouldn't you? But um, we've joked about it many times since. He's horrified to think he did that to me. <laughs> but, but he was a phenomenal man, yeah. uh, and still is. Yeah. Uh, and um, he took, he, he, it wasn't a popular decision amongst mm. many fans when Tony Boyce, the young, new, ambitious chairman of the club, uh, released Eric Webber, this hugely... And this is straight after the three-all FA Cup tie against Spurs. Yeah. The following summer, he brings this young man who's just won the Southern League with Weymouth in um, uh, and puts Frank in charge. And the, the style of football wasn't as entertaining to mm. start with as Webber's teams were always yeah. loads of goals Quite very expansive teams, very expansive they? teams yeah. win at home lose away yeah. all that kind of stuff Frank wasn't having any of that um, a completely different style of play very tough to beat etc 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 and there was even some uh, uh, dissent within the camp really that a lot yeah. of, he'd obviously yeah. inherited a lot of Webber's yeah. players um, and, and not happy and Tony Boyce, I know, had to step in at one time and make it very yeah. clear to everybody that Frank was the man and yeah. they either did it his way or not at all. And um, But anyway, he, he, he and everybody must remember that John Smith, the, the secretary at the yeah. time, 
real old school couple they were down in that little cottage together on yes uh, of course yeah just yeah. off um, Warborough Road um, and uh, they really turned the club mm. turned it from a happy entertaining um, but underachieving club into a happy achieving club yeah promotion in his first season uh, and suddenly Torquay were punching at the top of, mm. of what's now League One. And I don't mean just they were pushing for promotion. Uh, I think they m doubled the crowds, yeah. Um, yeah. average crowds, nine, ten thousand. 10,000. And of course, he was able to call on quite a lot of the old players from his West former Ham club, West Ham. Yeah. John Bond, yeah. you and I have talked about John Bond, Ken Brown, Bill Kitchener, little John Smith, um, Tony Scott. Uh, a lot of yeah. quality players that you could get in those days. Now he was he was a great man, and then uh, went on to look whatever he achieved at Torquay, uh, went to Leicester. Yeah, took him um, to the cup final. Took, uh, got yeah. relegated at the end of his first season, but yeah. took him to the cup final. Promoted straight back to the first division, and on the back of that became Manchester United and, and went to Man United. Yeah, uh, where. He suffered as many other managers did in surely, surely to follow on. Any um, manager would have suffered in that those in the wake of it's like following Busby. like following Fergie. Exactly. But probably worse. Probably worse, yeah. Um, and trying to manage the George Bests and the Bobby yeah. Charltons and the people like that in those days. But what one of Frank's lesser known achievements is his time in Iran. Yeah. Uh, he became the national the, the manager of Iran with a with a job basically to try and turn them around and make them into a proper mm. international football team, which he did spectacularly, won the Asian Cup uh, and another big tournament, I think. He prepared the team that went to the Olympic Games, yeah. but also built the side that mucked Scotland up in the 1978 World Cup Finals yeah. in Mexico. Yeah. Uh, did Iran beat them or was that a draw in that match? Anyway, it was one of the crucial games that saw Scotland get beat, yeah. uh, turfed out. That was Frank's team. Uh, he had left by then and yeah. come back, and then fortunately for Torquay, he came back and served Torquay again in many capacities Indeed. over the last few years. Now he's an astonishing man. Uh, uh, and you still keep in touch with him? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, he's yeah. 94 now. Yeah. Uh, and he, he, I've, look, there were some fantastic managers in that list. Yeah. Wonderful, wonderful people. Um, uh, top, top managers. Look, who's to say that Gary Johnson won't end up mm, absolutely. Uh, um, yeah. uh, uh, achieving as much? Um, uh, Cyril Knowles, you know, what did he, fantastic turning yeah. of a club round in those circumstances. And also many managers who perhaps weren't at the club at great times, no. but managed. Yeah. Where uh, I've got very fond memories of, well, obviously Stuart Morgan. Oh, so in, Stuart in, Morgan in, is remembered as the manager who had Torquay in their lowest ebb, but right. he, was a, he was a good manager, a, good to, manager. To, put a good side together. Absolutely, he did. Yeah. A wonderful judge of a player. Um, Roy McFarland only with the club for one year mm. but uh, um, all credit to Leroy for the way he, he won promotion in the wake of that but you know the bulk of Leroy's side um, you know put in place by, by Roy McFarland yeah um, uh, and and yeah and many more Paul yeah. Buckle what a four years under yeah. Paul Buckle you know did, have any, have, there aren't many managers who've achieved what you know um, he did but the reason why I went for O'Farrell in the end was the level that he did it at yeah, yeah, uh, and he was a he was a complete manager. He was a very good coach, st strong man manager, but uh, and and you could have put him in charge of a company here to run it. Yeah, you know yeah. he was he was a 
Yeah, top bloke. Top bloke. Now, be, those of you casting a nervous glance at the clock here, I'm, we're not going to finish this dream team this week. I'm going to stop you after your goalkeeper. Right. Because we'll do some more next week. Okay. This is, I mean, because there's so much to talk about with these. So let's move on to your goalkeeper. Your team is in a 4-4-2 formation, but that's completely irrelevant this week because we're just going to do your goalkeeper. Yeah. Because again, here, there's some fantastic names. The goalkeepers who did not make your starting 11 include Mike Mahoney, great keeper, Kenny Vasey, Neville Southall, Kevin Dearden, and Bobby Olesnik. Do not make your starting 11 because John Turner is your choice of goalkeeper. Well, the, those ones that, that, that you've just read out, in all of them, Mike Mahoney, Neville Southall, certainly Bobby Olesnik, Kevin did, and not quite so much, although I loved him to bits. There were many days when I used to watch, and I'm sure you did, you did as well, where you're going, is anybody going to beat this bloke? You know, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is nil against the opposition's name. They'll never beat him. Yeah. Um, uh, and certainly Bobby Lesnick during that playoff season under Martin Ling, 2011-12, phenomenal at times yeah and and uh, the fact that he hasn't ended up going and playing championship football for somebody is still one of mm. the biggest mysteries that, that, that i've ever had in in the last few years neville southall well what a massive impact yeah. he had at playing yeah. at the age of 40 yeah and this um, was not just in his playing was it this oh, was around the club as a whole as a, as a good influence on the younger players not only that but a very but, a very generous bloke as well you know, huge which obviously made him very popular yeah but he never actually rested on that mm. and his reputation and all the great things he'd done when many people felt that for at least four or five years at his peak at Everton he was the best goalkeeper in the world yeah and for yeah. Neville Southall to end up coming down and playing for Torquay he was goalkeeper coach at, at Huddersfield I think it was or Bradford City one of the two uh, before he came down looking for a game still apparently pretty good in training yeah and he stepped into a relegation scrap at Playmore and completely picked the team up yeah with with his two massive hands and even bigger shoulders and uh, extraordinary impact I remember we played Rochdale at home uh, that was a Tuesday night match uh, and the Rochdale uh, had a, a young striker called Holt, not Grant Holt that went to Norwich in the end, but Holt. Yeah. And he'd saved everything. And and he, he eventually Rochdale got a penalty. And and a lad who he had just saved at point blank range from had to go up and take the penalty. And Neville, yeah. I always remember, at the um, Ellicott men, standing there in the goal with this massive grin on his face. Yeah. Whilst this young lad tried to compose himself to take a penalty. <laughs> and, and Neville just, just, it was almost like he was shaking his head and saying, well, you can try, lad, but it's not going in, is it? And, <laughs> and this lad ran up and missed completely. And Neville just, it was almost like, normally when somebody's taking a penalty, you, you kind of go, well, the goalkeeper must be, you know, da, da, da. he just, it, the, the, Penalty taker was the one under all the pressure. Absolutely yeah. psyched him out. And um, I remember as well, United got a two-all draw at Argyle one day. Yeah. Uh, um, at a, presumably a yeah. Christmas match. I think it was a Boxing Day. Boxing wasn't it? Day. He was yeah. phenomenal yeah. that afternoon. What usual Boxing Day crowd down at Argyle, Devon Derby. I don't know, 15,000. And even the whole of the Argyle crowd stood up and applauded him off uh, off the pitch. Yeah. Um, terrific. Back in the day, Mike Mahoney. Yeah. Awesome. 
you know, uh, uh, just top, top keeper. Yeah. I'm very sad that I was more working away during his time at Torquay. Yeah. Because everybody was, I mean, I did see him obviously several times. And the fact that he went to Newcastle for what, 60,000 quid, which yeah. was a lot of money in those days, and was an even bigger star for them. You know, that this long, tousle-haired, broad, Bristol-speaking yeah. bloke who the looked... The pictures of him, he oh, is, he's rooted in 1972, he is. isn't he? He looked like he'd just been pulled through a hedge backwards most <laughs> of the time. You know, the idea of putting a comb through his hair was just complete anathema to him. Broad Bristol accent. Yeah. The type of lad that any is bound to get a load of stick whichever new club he goes to. Let the whistle blow and then let's see yeah, what happens. Yeah. He was a huge favourite on, on Tyneside. Um, and there are many, many Torquay fans who are convinced, and I, would, I wouldn't argue with them, that he was, he, was, uh, he was right up there. But none of these no. keepers is even in your starting no, eleven. No, I've why, gone for John Turner. Why John Turner then? Um, John Turner, for me, uh, was um, the most... The bravest. I'm not saying yeah. any of the others weren't brave. Of course they were. Yeah. He he he. I'm, we're picking up team to play for my life here. Okay. He he made an odd mistake from time to time, mm. but physically imposing, agile, fit as a butcher's dog, um, phenomenally brave, huge self confidence. Yeah. Uh, um, absolutely convinced that nobody could beat him. In most yeah. given situations, the idea that anybody might beat him from more than about thirty yards is a complete—you know—you must be joking. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure somebody did from time to time. Um, and in the piece I've done on thing, I just—I tell a, a little story about United were playing. Um, I think it was Hereford at home uh, in uh, fairly early after he had he had arrived, and he'd put together a whole series of, you know, eye-opening performances yeah. to the point where you thought, well. Wow, what a goalkeeper we've got here. By the way, he grew up at Derby under Brian Clough. I was going to say, he played for Cluffy, didn't he? He, did, yeah. he did, and then went to Reading, and we signed yeah. him from Reading for five, six thousand quid, something like that, um, where he had tried and actually got a lad called Steve Death, or Death, yeah. who was an absolute legend at Reading. I mean, he played for them for a hundred years. Yeah. John got him out of the team at one stage, which was a feat in himself. Anyway, he came to Torquay, and... Uh, 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 a shot bobbled and John went down, misjudged it, rebounded, and the, uh, uh, I think it was a Hereford keeper stuck it in the net. Yeah. And jo you know, the idea he took the game so seriously. I mean, not that he isn't a very happy and funny bloke, but he he was phenomenally dedicated. The idea that he would make a mistake that cost the team was was disaster for him. And this thing had got ended up in the back of the net, and he's there <laughs> kneeling on his hands and knees. The ball's just come back off his chest and gone in. And he looked up, and Mike Green, who was his player yeah. manager at the time, who had signed him, is looking down at him. And John thought, Mike, there's a bollocking coming here. <laughs> what on earth am I going to say to him? And Mike Green just looked down and said, Bloody hell, John, you are human after all. <laughs> <laughs> and, and to this day, John always says that's one of the greatest pieces of management because just when I was expecting, you know, yeah. we've just conceded a goal at home, uh, a, a bad one as well. And yeah. just when you should have got and deserved a, you know, what on earth, is, why didn't you hang on to that? It was a huge lift for him yeah. because A, it was an indication of what confidence Mike had in him. Um, he went to Chesterfield for £60,000, just as good there. 
uh, went to, there was a, a big talk of him going to Everton at one stage, mm-hmm. just before he got an injury. He ended up going to Peterborough. In his first, he replaced David Seaman at Peterborough. Yeah. Seaman went off to Birmingham and then Arsenal. Uh, John walked the player of the year at Peterborough thing when, and they did a poll and the vast majority of Peterborough fans reckoned he was better than David Seaman yeah. and sadly his career at Peterborough was ended by a broken leg in a cup tie against Leeds um, he ended up coming back to Torquay and yeah. um, obviously he still lives locally um, yeah, runs the jolly sailor at East Dogwell yeah he does but, and, and for, for somebody to play for my life yeah. he'll do um, I'm not saying all the others wouldn't be wonderful as well, um, but uh, all st- player, your your the, these teams you have to go for somebody sooner or later. Don't you? So that's him. That's him. That right. I'm going to stop you there because this we uh, have to we have say, to stop yeah. there because people's batteries are running down yeah. and, and people are staying up far too late. Uh, we'll talk about your defence next week. We'll not give anything away. If you want to see all these, by the way, as I say, the place to go is talkytalk.com. And, and we can't finish this week without um, a slightly sad note. A, an absolute stalwart of local football oh. uh, has died this week. A gentleman that a lot of you will know by the name of Steve Jane. Well, I think you and I and all the people who have known him over the years, um, all various teams uh, in in and around South Devon, hugely Harberton Ford, yeah. Harberton Ford, I beg your pardon, um, came to regard him as completely indestructible. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, uh, the world without Steve Jane uh, in it, and uh, most weeks on the phone to us. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. Uh, with some yeah. little snippet of uh, a nugget, a pearl of, of yeah. something. He was born, um, born in Stoke Gabriel. He went to Tweenaway down the road. Did he? Then moved to Harbour and Ford in the fifties, I believe. He was a builder by trade. Yeah. He built the clubhouse. He built the changing rooms. Uh, and as, he'd, probably as it, had a, he'd probably have had a go at a new parish church if they let him, be let him do it. Yeah. He played at least one game every season up until he was 68. 68, that's right. Because he was very fond of yeah, Yes, indeed. Yeah, He signed on every season and took his boots to every game just in case he was needed. <laughs> yeah. But And right up until he was 68. And he was always there, um, as the, the club secretary John Mills points out um, in chatting to him this week, Always there with his waders because there's a stream that runs past the Harbour Ford pitch. And um, careless central defenders such as me have put balls in that stream (laughs) once or twice. You know, it's one of those when it it needs clearing and it stays cleared and it goes in the stream, Steve would put the waders on. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's my motto. Um, We'd put the waders on and uh, and fish them out. out. He, he, He must have done not only every job at that club. Yeah, uh, but he did. He did quite a few other jobs at other clubs as well during his career. I mean, Harburton Ford was always his spiritual home, wasn't yeah. it? And and uh, but hugely well known and loved right throughout South Devon football. Yeah. I, well, he was know, on South Devon League executive. He was on the Devon FA for a long time as well. I bet he told them a time a day or two. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yes. yeah. No, a fantastic bloke. The, the world's a poorer place, isn't it, without him? It and, is indeed. Um, we'll we'll miss him at the Herald yeah. Express. We certainly will. Yeah, he he was a it was an almost booked phone call on a Monday morning. Yeah. Somebody would get a call from Steve. Just a point, not having a go. Just a point, something out. Yeah. You know, that was the first time that East Addington had beaten Modbury since <laughs> whatever. And he oh, was probably yes. there. And don't yeah. worry, yes, he, he was, was probably, probably there. there. No, so a, a wonderful man. Thoughts and condolences to Steve's family and friends. Um, very much so. Very a, a big character. 
And on that note, thank you very much for listening to a, a, a bumper length well, Talking United Yellow Army podcast. Sorry to have gone on a little bit. We do get carried away. We do. I, I reckon with the uh, no, I reckon with the top and tail, we could even be over the hour no, on this one. No, so no, thank you very much no, for your no, time no. and your patience. We'll be back next week. And as ever, come, come on, on, you yellows. You've been listening to the Herald Express, Devon Live, Talker United, Yellow Army podcast, recorded weekly by David Thomas and Guy Henderson. You can find this podcast by clicking devonlive.com or by following us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash DL, or on Twitter at TQHE Sport. You can also subscribe on iTunes, search for Talker United on the iTunes app. Please leave us a review wherever you can. We welcome all feedback. Thank you very much for listening. Join us again next week.